Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm Evan, the senior pastor here, and again, like others have said, it's so good to be together on this beautiful day to worship. Thank you for those engaging online as well. Uh, We're coming up at the end of March, and you know, I'm not a huge college basketball fan, but I love watching college basketball in March with March Madness and the tournament of the men's and women's basketball. And I love how in this year in the tournament, we had a number 16, that is the lowest seed, beat the the underdogs, beat the number one seed in one of the legs there. It was Fair Dickinson that beat Purdue. I had never heard of Fair Dickinson. And you may say that you had, but yeah, I don't believe you. I don't think any of us had heard of this school and they won. We also saw a 15 seed Princeton win not only the first round, but the second. We love a Cinderella story. When somebody who nobody expects to succeed does so. It was so fun to watch these kids who weren't supposed to win, win. I'm convinced we love these types of stories because we can all relate to the underdog, right? All of us realize there are times when we don't measure up, don't feel or look or act up to the standard or our hopes, All of us fall plenty short. I think all of us hope that there may be some future out there that is better than we could have reasonably expected or imagined. Perhaps even today we're asking, is there a future for me? For five Sundays now, we've been looking at this series of stories across the Christian scriptures that contain the number 40 in them. There are 146 instances of this number showing up in the scriptures. Luckily, we're not going to cover them all. But we've been looking at these stories as we journey through Lent together, our own season of 40 days of preparation for Easter. Usually, these times are tied to struggles or challenges, maybe a reference to an earlier period of time when God did something powerful before These stories we've seen are helpful because they are honest. They're real. We've all gone through challenging times. We've all had struggle. And perhaps we ask, what in the world can we do? Is there any hope future for us? Can the number 16 seeds of the world do anything but get pummeled by our circumstances today? We'll see what Jesus did in the 40 days after he was raised from the grave. So we're jumping ahead past Easter a little bit as then we go back to prepare for Easter. And we will see how these 40 days prepare both our thinking and our doing for the world that we are in. So this story takes place at the beginning of the book of Acts. So we'll turn there to the book of Acts chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11, but we begin with verses 1 and 2. The scripture says, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles 
whom he had chosen. So the book of Acts is the second book written by Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Luke. This is sort of the sequel to the book of Luke, and Luke begins this sequel reminding about what happened in the first book. The Gospel of Luke, which describes how Jesus is born, serves, teaches alongside his disciples, and shows the world that he's the Son of God, that he's starting something new for all people, and has offered forgiveness and transformation to everyone. Jesus has flipped the expected social and political order on its head, and this world flipped upside down by Jesus didn't know what to do with him. The Jesus who preached a kingdom of God that was breaking in and valued not power or authority or control, but love and humility and self-sacrifice. Jesus was murdered for this revolutionary teaching, but three days after that, when everything looked like it was over, Jesus' grave was empty. He's alive. Not even death could stop him. And Jesus said death won't stop us either if we follow him. This upside-down kingdom would turn even death on its head. And so we pick up the story there where Jesus is alive with a body and everything still with the scars from his crucifixion on his body. And he's been teaching the apostles. So let's see what happens in Acts 1-3. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days in speaking about the kingdom of God. Forty again. Why use the number 40 here to describe Jesus' time of teaching? Well, one of these stories of 40 in the Old Testament that we've seen is, is when Moses went up and spent 40 days in the presence of God to be given instruction for how to prepare the people of God to be the people of God, to prepare them for their future, that God was doing something new. So God used these 40 days to prepare God's people for who they would be in the Old Testament. And as Acts begins, we have this reference to that same kind of thing. This time, Jesus preparing his followers in the same way for their new future. 40 days of teaching. And I have to admit, this verse is one of the verses that annoys me most in the scripture. (laughs) Because all we get of this 40-day summary is this one little word. (laughs) I mean, if Jesus taught a 40-day seminar, I would want the notes. I would want the slides. Could this not have been one of those Zoom recordings that they save and you can access later? You can only imagine what those days were like for the followers of Christ. These men and women coming off emotional roller coasters of the days before when when their leader, their friend, their Lord, their hope was murdered and they likely were feeling all kinds of things. Survivor's guilt. Why him and not me? Why did I run? Why didn't I do more? Is there a future for us? Jesus spends 40 days helping them answer that question and that helps us too. As we face our questions in the world, we can learn something from this passage. See, I believe we won't be equipped to go into the future without that preparation that Jesus offers here. Jesus prepares us. This 40 days, our own periods of 40 days and looking inward prepares us 
Jesus prepares us because he cares for us. So maybe today, you just need to spend some time resting and learning and listening to God, being still and being comforted to know that Christ cares about you. I want us to see what he did those 40 days, what we can mine from these words. It said in the passage that Jesus showed them many convincing proofs. The language here is, is used for something that leaves no room for any other conclusion. I wish, I wish that we got those notes. But he showed them his scars we know from other places, broke bread from them we know from other portions of the gospel, appeared, listened, loved. He was showing the people that he was alive and he was who he said he was. He taught them about the kingdom of God, the passage says. Exactly what he taught during his ministry. This new kingdom that was breaking in all around where the least would be the greatest. Where it's better to serve than be served. Where forgiveness and justice and love are the way of the world. Where liberation is here for everyone. From sin and death and evil, even the evil within our own hearts. But Jesus wouldn't send his followers out without training See, the disciples needed to grow and wrestle and learn what this kingdom of God was for them. So look at what happens in Acts 1, 4, and 5. So while staying with them, he ordered, I bet we could use that Latin word for mandate here, that they should not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus gives them this order to be patient before he gives them any power. Tells them to wait, to be together, to pray together, stay in Jerusalem. He needs them to learn that things don't have to happen at their pace. Maybe, may we learn that. That prayer and stillness and connection and healing takes time and they're worth waiting for. To be with, to make happen. So yes, power is coming. He says it is coming. Power will be given to us, but there's also power in learning patience. So one of the ways that we prepare for our life and our future is by waiting and being together. Stay in Jerusalem, Jesus says. Wrestle with these things, Jesus says. Reflect, learn, be, pray. He prepares us by inviting us to practice our faith in community, to learn from each other, to grow together. So when I was learning how to drive, uh, I was learning, we lived on an army base in Germany, and my first car was a 1990 Opel Cadet. You cannot find an Opal Cadet in the United States because they are not safe. Not safe at all, but that did not seem to bother the Germans who built them around the time of the fall of the Berlin Wall. This car was a stick shift. It did not have power steering, and I had no clue how to drive it, but it was $400, so it was my car. And I remember my dad took me in this car to the biggest hill in our neighborhood. It was leading up to this parking lot, uh, no one was around. He stopped right in the middle of that hill. He yanked up the emergency brake. He turned off the engine and he handed me the keys. Time to learn. 
I coasted down that hill a few times. I stalled more than a few times, but eventually I got it. You know, and I'm grateful he taught me on that hill. Because every stoplight between my school and my house, there was a hill, and the light was right on the hill. And it was important to my dad that I learn not to roll back very far because there might be a Mercedes behind me. <laughs> this act of wrestling and learning, Jesus invites his followers to do in the safety of each other's company, in the safety of community and connection. Do you know that when we connect to one another with prayer, with the study of scripture, with caring for one another, that we are being prepared for the days when we want to stall out, when things fall apart. Jesus cares about us, so he wants us to be prepared. And Jesus also cares about the people that we might roll back into. <laughs> so he gives his disciples this time to learn and wait and grow. He teaches them about the kingdom. And we can be frustrated that we don't have the slides to the lecture, but we do have the Gospels. <laughs> Perhaps even the teachings he taught were the same teachings that were uh, retaught throughout his teaching and life that are recorded in the Gospels. We do have the teachings of Jesus, the ways of the kingdom. And then he says something else is happening in verse 5. He says something new is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. You will be baptized in the Spirit. Last week, one of our church members expressed a desire for more talk about the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to tell him in that moment, oh, wait till next week. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. A former professor of mine described the Holy Spirit as the personal, powerful presence of God, just like that. I don't know why he did the finger guns, uh, but he was like this elderly Yosemite Sam character, and so it stuck with me. Personal, powerful presence of God. So Jesus is with them now. It says another member of the Trinity is coming. And God will be with you by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit will work through them and among them will empower them to continue the work that they've been prepared for. Jesus won't leave them alone. Jesus doesn't leave us alone. They have a helper. A helper is present and gives power and peace and Reminds them of the closeness of God. Makes them more than a Cinderella story or a 16 seed against that undefeated team called death. See, at this point, though death had been undefeated, it had just taken its first loss. Sin, evil, the power and principalities had just lost on Easter morning. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead was to be given to us. Now these followers um, have a hard time absorbing it like uh, we would. Acts 1.6 says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this time when you restore the kingdom of Israel? Now Jesus had just spent this time talking about the kingdom of God, but they still used this language of the kingdom of 
Israel. They say, well, okay, so is this the time you kick out Rome and make us the top dogs and give us all the power in the world, make everything right by us? How quickly do we confuse God's kingdom and future with the future that we imagine and want? The kingdom of America, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of comfort. The disciples like children in the back of the car in a road trip. <laughs> Are we there yet? <laughs> and look what Jesus says. Verse 7. Jesus replied, It's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is like, you're thinking too small. A new kingdom is breaking in and a new king is on the throne, but this isn't about the kingdom of Israel and just setting up shop in Jerusalem. It's bigger. It goes beyond Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Jesus says, friends, you'll receive power. Not political power. Bigger power. God, power, spirit, Power. The word power is actually the word where we get the word dynamite from. It's a big explosive power. Right? The Spirit, God among us, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses. It was good and right to ask about more talk about the Spirit last week. Because the Spirit, with its dynamic and explosive power, is something we have access to. And sometimes that happens in big, flashy ways, but maybe more often in more, the power comes in small ways. And the ability to not have the last word takes power. To not have to just worry about ourselves, but to be present to a friend who is in pain, that takes power. To refuse tribal lines and the dehumanization of others who are different than us, that takes explosive power. A power that is so big it can unite, not just destroy. That's power bigger than we're used to. So not only are we prepared by Jesus with teachings and patience, we're given power. Power and presence. And Jesus says you are to be my witnesses. So when you hear the word witness, uh, I don't know about you, but my mind goes to like law and order or something like that, right? Where you take the stand to be a witness on behalf of someone or something. But what did that word mean to the disciples? Because unlike us, Law & Order reruns were not constantly on their television. See, when this passage was written, the word witness would have made them think of something specific. They, obviously, when news was happening, they didn't get that via notifications on their phone or television broadcasts or newspapers or something like that. When the biggest news happened, especially news like if there was a new king or a new Caesar, the way that it was spread was by a witness that would go and proclaim to the town. The disciples asked, is it time for your kingdom to be restored? Jesus says, it's not for you to know times or seasons or all the details, but you are going to get some power. Not in a city or an institution or a government, not in the kingdom of Israel, but there will be a day when heaven and earth collide and everything is the kingdom. But for now, 
Jesus, as he said in Luke 17, the kingdom of God is among you. My followers, so you will be my witnesses, my heralds, my notifications to let the world know that there's a new king and the king is reigning. Not just in Israel, but go out to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then everywhere. Across distance and boundary and culture, God's kingdom is bigger and better than we expect bigger than the borders we might make. In the old age, death and sin and evil were king, but a new age is breaking. The future is coming, unfolding. Death and failure and evil don't have the final word. Is there a future for us? Oh, it's already here. When I was young, I was the biggest Star Wars fan. I'm now just a big Star Wars fan, and when some of the movies were coming out, they were casting some of the roles, and I knew that they were casting unknowns, and I knew that I was the right age as one of the characters, and I thought, well, I'm unknown, so this is perfect. I tried to scheme all these ways how I could get out of my little house and find a place where they were having auditions. Maybe I could be part of the story. Maybe they would let me hold a lightsaber. I still have those dreams. Amen. The book of Acts suddenly invites us to the story. Invited to the cast. Handed the keys. The Gospel of Luke finishes and the book of Acts begins. The story's not over and we're now invited to the set. Can you believe it? To be characters in the story that the Spirit will empower us in the moment in our preparation, look how the passage ends, verses 9 through 11. When Jesus had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing up towards heaven, as you would do. Suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus ascends. Now, I know it's hard to imagine what this looks like. It sounds like Jesus is rocket manned up into space or something. What does this mean? There's imagery here and beauty, the clouds, like clouds we saw in the Old Testament pointing to God. I don't know. Clouds like the cloud descending on the mountain as Moses spent those 40 days with God. Something happens, mysterious and powerful, Jesus is raised. The same language as a king stepping up to the throne. Jesus goes to be with God the Father and will return. And the disciples, like we would have, stand there with their mouths open. And these two messengers say, hey, kind of close their mouths. Why do you stand looking up towards heaven? I would have said, Why, how could you not? <laughs> Then they say, this Jesus who's been taken up from you will return the same way. <clears throat> Followers, the 40 days as we prepare for Easter is almost over. Are you ready to keep going? To keep moving? To take on your role in the story? So what if you've been a 16 seed your whole life? 
It's time to dance. Jesus has done something about a world of challenges and hardships and now invites us to be part of it. We get to play a role. And this is so vital for us because Christianity sometimes has been taught that the whole point is, well, one day we get to poof away to heaven and that's really what it's all about. Whoop-de-doo. It doesn't really matter what goes on now as long as you've got things figured out so you can poof away someday. But it's not about just looking up to heaven. Yes, the good news does include a vision of life everlasting, a future where all is made right and we get to be part of it. Yes, yes, yes. But that's not the whole story. See, if our faith is all about what comes later, we miss what we're called to now. It is an incomplete good news if all we do is look ahead and never around. This broken and incomplete theology about Christianity only being about the afterlife empowered slave owners to dehumanize and destroy the bodies and lives of people while they just then went to church. It enables Christians to pollute and destroy the very planet God has given us to love and care for. It is a broken theology that just worries about someday and never cares about our role now. We need to hear what these messengers say. Hey, wake up. Stop standing around. Jesus prepared you for something, and it's not just to stand here. You're about to have the Spirit. We may not talk enough about the Spirit. I think perhaps it's because we may not think we need the Spirit, but the Spirit is what helps us live now to bring this radical message of Jesus into our world. So how do we move forward? Well, we have a few options. We can prepare. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. And I think it's important that we continue to learn about the kingdom of God. It will continue to challenge us, flip our expectations, shape us. We've already had a plug for life groups. Let me plug one again. Connect to a life group. Connect to scripture. If you have questions about that, talk to me. I'll I'll, I'll show you some ways you can connect. In our life group last week, Good and Beautiful, uh, we were challenged to read the Gospel of John. And we were to read it over two weeks, and it was challenging and beautiful, and I saw things I didn't expect. We've got two weeks between now and Easter. What if you tried to read the Gospel of Luke in those two weeks? You can listen to it in audio form. A lot of the Bible apps have audio versions you can listen to. That's how I uh, experienced the book of John these last two weeks, was listening to it, and it was so powerful that way. The, The scriptures were written in a way to be read to a community, Jesus spent 40 days teaching about the kingdom of God. What if we went back and looked and spent more time seeing what he said? Be patient. Reflect. Pray. Ask for the Spirit. Jesus is present, and the power of the Spirit is yours. Power to love and trust and hope, even when it seems hopeless. How else can we compare? Don't lose sight of what's around us now. So I would challenge you to prepare for Easter, and I will make my Easter pun here. Invite your peeps, right? Invite your people (laughs) to participate in what God is doing. To come here at Easter. Participate in Monday, Thursday. We're doing this service here on Monday, Thursday, and then we're going to have an option for kids that'll be like interactive and with food. And I'm kind of like, can I pass as a kid? Because that sounds so fun. 
How can we invite people to see this good news that there is a new king, whether it's in this building or not? How might we act as witnesses of the new kingdom? How we might tell our stories of how Jesus has changed what we think and what we do. How can we even practically on this Easter be really welcoming and really loving? Invite somebody who needs community to find this one. Our world's messy. That's always been true. It was true for these disciples too. They were overwhelmed, but they were called, like us, to share the news we found, to live not just like we have a future, but live as the future is within us now. May we declare with our words and our lives that there is a new kingdom and a new king, where the oppressed are set free, where all are welcome and all are valued, where justice and mercy intermingle, where there is forgiveness and hope. Where we are invited to be actors in the story where nothing can separate us from the love of God. These 40 days of Lent are coming to an end. And after Easter, will you be standing around looking at your empty eggs and your candy wrappers? Or will we look forward and see what God is doing in our midst? Let us pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to reflect on your word, to be together, to sing, and to pray. God, I thank you that you invite us to be part of the story, that you empower us to be part of the story. And though we feel like underdogs, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.